0: This morning we began a, a new series called Wake Up. Uh, how many of you are, are heavy heavy sleepers? How many of you are sort of light sleepers? Looks like the light sleepers outnumber the, the heavy sleepers. One thing I really love about the iPhone is that you have so many different ringtones that you can set to wake up to. Uh, here, here's one that I find sort of odd. You hear that one? Uh, that, that's a little confusing, isn't it? You know, to, to wake up to the doorbell. Yeah, I'm not sure if I just get up or I got to go to the door. Uh, here, here's what I don't think would work very well with me. I think I would just go back. That one might wake me up, all right? But back on that harp sound, I think that put me back to sleep. How about you? Some of you maybe that are deep sleepers, maybe you need this one, all right? I like this one. Any of you have that on your, on your phone? Just that old that old, uh, old car phone? You know, there's so many choices there because an alarm is quite frankly meant to be alarming. All right? It, it, it's meant to be annoying because you're not going to wake up unless the alarm is annoying enough that, that you'd rather get up than to keep hearing it over and over again. And so most of us try to find some kind of ringtone, if possible, that will literally just wake us up. And this morning, as we go into this message series, we're going to be talking about how God seeks to wake us up. And sometimes God has to do it with, quite frankly, some annoying ways. Sometimes the alarm is quite, frankly, alarming. And yet in so many ways, God comes to us because he wants you and I to be fully awake. We miss out on so much of life. We miss out on the Father's blessings. We miss out on being home because we're sleeping through it. And the Bible, quite frankly, often says you need to wake up. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. The Bible's about as annoying as the local newscaster who has that scene where he says to the restaurants, you need to clean up. You ever get tired of hearing that? you got to clean up. Well, the Bible says to you and I, we need to wake up. Let me give you this definition that can help us in this message series. What is an awakening? An awakening is a sudden recognition that leads to an honest moment that brings lasting change. That's what an awakening is. You see in that sentence, our outline for the next three weeks A sudden recognition, an honest uh, moment, and lasting change. You see, here's what we want to happen when we wake up. Is we want the alarm to go off and to wake us up to the point that we actually have lasting change. And I get to watch and hear stories about this all the time. Of people who are woken up in alarming moments. It's that person a few years ago that I knew who lost his job because his boss found the pornography on his computer and it woke him up not just to get away from the pornography but to give his life to Jesus it's that cocaine or ex-cocaine addict in this church who woke up that day he was in a hotel room all by himself And he walked by the mirror and saw the shell of a self he had become in a mirror. And it woke him up and put him on his face before God. It's the gambler who when all the debts came in and he finally had to tell his wife the position they were in, ended up on this front row saying, I need help. It's the college student who had always been able to pull off good grades in high school, but finally flunked out in college because he finally found that he couldn't study well and do drugs at the same time, and it woke him up and brought him to the Lord. It's that teenage girl in that bad relationship who was woke up that moment that she had to take a pregnancy test. I don't know what your moment may have been. But all of us have those moments, those sudden awakenings that go, you got to wake up and get on with life. I love those stories. The most famous story about that at all, though, is found in Luke chapter 15. If you'd like to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15, we call it the story of the prodigal son. It's an amazing story of a man that, that finally woke up. It was Charles Dickens who said that this is the greatest story ever told. It is an amazing story, and that's what we're going to be looking at these next few weeks. Let's start the story this week, verse 11, Luke chapter 15. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money had ran out, a great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry... That even the pods he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put on him. Give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to me he was lost but now he has been found I like how the Bible puts it so the party began it's a great moment of awakening but first you got to see that the son left and it seems to me that the son left because he had some father issues I've talked to a lot of people who have father issues. Why would someone leave home? He left home, it seems to me, because he's sort of put out with his dad. I mean, who's going to be willing to go ahead and demand his inheritance before his dad died? It's, it's rather rude. And often we leave home for some of the same reasons. Maybe we feel like we have an unreasonable father. I think that's what the prodigal thought. You know what? I mean, I'm missing out, he thinks, living here at home. I mean, you know, dad's got rules, and, and there are, you know, curfews, and there, there are things that really just sort of cramp my style, and, and, and he's unreasonable. You know, some of us have that same view of God, don't we? Hey, you know, we, we think we are missing out because we're following Jesus, I see so many kids grow up in this church who don't really surrender their life to the Lord. And I wonder, how could they do that with the wonderful family they're growing up in, with the wonderful church they can be a part of? But I think Satan feeds that lie. As long as you follow God, God's just a little bit unreasonable. And he's going to take away your fun, and oh yeah, you'd go to heaven. But right now, you'd probably be miserable. So some of us look at an unreasonable father and we leave. Some look at an unpleasable father. You know, some dads, you can never live up to their standards. No matter how well you do, they will always be disappointed. You make a B and they expected an A. You score 15 points, you know, in the basketball game and they thought you should have scored 20. And finally, you decide they're unpleasable and you walk away. Or maybe they're unmerciful. You don't think you'll receive forgiveness. I think that's the, the picture this son had of his dad at the beginning of the story, or at least in the middle. He doesn't think he can go home and just get forgiveness. He might be a slave, but he'll never be forgiven and restored as a son. Some of us have those views of God. We think no matter how hard we try, we could never please God. That God is an unmerciful God. Or maybe even worse, we see an uncaring father. Maybe the moment in your life that you thought God should have been there for you, or God should have intervened and did something powerful, he didn't. And because of that, you've walked away thinking, you know what? If he doesn't really care about me, then I don't care about him. Because many of us have left home for these very reasons. We've left God because we've had this picture of God. Some of us have grown up in religious systems that literally gave us this picture of God. That God was that unforgiving, unreasonable, unpleasing, uncaring God. Who no matter how hard you tried, no matter how many commands you obeyed, How much right you did, all you had to do was blow it one time and you were out of there. And many of us walked away. Some of us, you know, we grew up in homes that were that way and we just finally gave up. Some of us, you know, we've heard messages that way. I know as a preacher of a church and the the weekly burden of preaching, I, I pray to God I don't leave that impression that these things are true of God. Because I've got a challenge up here every week, guys, and here's the challenge is I've got to raise the standard of God, and at the same time I've got to teach you the mercy of God. The standard's not lowered. God is full of truth, but He's also full of grace. And so I pray to God when you come to this church that you do receive the challenge of His word that does say, you could do better, you could be better, you could be more Christ-like, you are a Christian. But then there's that problem, you know, is do we become so overly challenging that some of you walk out of this place and say, you know what, every week i got to do something else, and I just can't please God. I couldn't apply last week's sermon, more or less this week's sermon. And so you just walk away, and I apologize if somehow I've communicated in such a way that says, you know what, the mercy of God is not abundant. That's the challenge we have. And so many of us walk away. What happens? Hopefully, just like the sun in our story, you discover a God who is everything the opposite of the names before you. That's what the prodigal discovered. But it took an alarm. And that's what we're talking about today. Alarms. I want to talk about two different kinds of alarms. One that I would call is rude awakenings. Sometimes God brings the alarm in a way that just shakes us to the core. Sometimes there are more subtle awakenings. You see, the, the prodigal in our story, there were lots of chances for him to wake up. It could have been the moment he walked down the road from his father's house, he could have woke up and gone, What am I thinking? It could have been when his wallet got smaller and his cash was running out. He might have woke up when the famine hit the land. He might have woke up when he was hired at the pig farm. But it was not until he reached that point of desperation that he had nothing to eat but the pigs feed that he woke up. What are some of those rude awakenings, alarms, your life? Let me give you a few of those. First of all, there are those deserved consequences or circumstances. I might really prefer the word here, consequences. That's what happens to the prodigal son. I mean, the position he finds himself in is of his own making. It's deserved. I mean, he's rebelled. He's not listened to his father. He's wasted the money. He's gotten to that place. Guys, one thing we need to wake up to in our life is that there are consequences to our actions. Listen to me. We live a culture that wants to believe there are no consequences to your actions. My friends, consequences follow your actions. If you're the husband who's more interested in video games and golf than spending time with your wife, there's going to be some consequences. If you're the college student that thinks you can get away with drinking and sleeping around, you might for a while, but at some point you're going to hit the consequences. If you're that mother that yells at her children every day and that over disciplines, there's going to be some consequences if you're the father who leaves your children before they wake up and comes home after they're asleep, don't think there will be some consequences. If you're the Christian that thinks, you know what, I I, I will never discipline myself to spend time with God and to spend time in the fellowship of God's people. Those things are just optional matters in my life. Listen to me, guys. There are going to be deserved consequences. Often God wakes us up by simply letting the consequences of our actions kick in. Now, sometimes that alarm comes by difficult circumstances. These are circumstances not caused by your choices. The prodigal son did not cause the famine. Job did not cause the travesty in his life. Everybody around him wanted to blame him, tell him, what, what did you do wrong to cause all this? And Job goes through hell on earth, but he didn't cause it. And some of you, the, the, the alarm, the wake-up call from God may not have been by your consequences. It may be happening because there's some just difficult circumstances in life that make you know the only thing you can do is hold on to God. Maybe you lose your job, not because you were looking at pornography, but because the company closed down. Maybe you lose your spouse, not because you were unfaithful, but because they were unfaithful. Maybe you lose your health, not because you smoke four packs of cigarette a day. It just hits you. Now, when you have those circumstances, listen to me, here's what can happen. It can either push you away from God or it can pull you to God. And that's why, number three, we so often talk about hitting rock bottom. That when I first really met God is when I hit rock bottom. I don't know how many people tell me, I had to hit rock bottom before I woke up. And my friends, listen to me. God is willing for you to hit rock bottom if you will wake up. He certainly is. I want to read to you some statements that I received this week. I just put this little post out on Facebook. And it said, you know, just complete this sentence. I stopped running from God when? And then people could send anything back, and I got dozens and dozens of responses. I I just want to read some of them. One young lady writes, I stopped running when I hit the wall, and I knew that the way to get past the wall was to allow him to carry me. Another writes, Sadly, I didn't wake up until the doctor walked in and said, Mr. Blank, You don't have a stone. You have a large mass on your kidney. And there's an 80% likelihood that it's cancer. That woke me up in a major way. Another man wrote, How I ran with such anger and rage. I ran and I ran and I realized with even more anger and reluctance that I had no other place to go. Oh, listen to this one. When praise God... He sent me to prison and sat me down and restored my relationship with him and finally helped me understand and answered my questions after 14 years of addiction. Another man writes similarly, I I ran until I was in prison where I couldn't run. However, I still tried to run. But after I felt his spirit move in me during one of the sermons in the chapel, I, I knew I needed to run toward him instead of away from him. After 13 years of prison, God had done some awesome things in my life, but only after I surrendered to self and to him. One lady wrote me, and she put this privately because she didn't want her name on Facebook. I stopped running when I was arrested for shoplifting. Another lady, there was nowhere else to run. Another wrote, when my husband left... I was running after the wrong one. And I tell you, I got dozens of these. Now, a lot of the answers I got were not so sudden. Uh, They were not so jarring. I could read you pages of notes of people who said, I woke up when I finally realized that God was running after me and I didn't have to keep running. I, I, I stopped running when I, I ran into God. And so many of the, the texts I received, the Facebook messages I received, were about discovering a truth about God. I stopped running when I found out that God was full of grace. I stopped running when I found out that God would forgive anything that I'd done that I shouldn't have done. And so I, I got a mixed bag here. Some of them were these, these sudden, jarring awakenings that happened And then some of them were were, were much more subtle. And that brings us to the next kind of alarm in our life. And and this is what I call early warnings. I mean, look at this passage up here on the screen from 2 Chronicles chapter 30. God sent warnings, rising up and sending them because he had compassion on his people. Now, we we often say, I'm not going to really change until I hit rock bottom. And that is often the way we change. But listen closely to me, friends. You don't have to hit rock bottom to finally wake up. Let me give you some other alarms. First of all, simply the Word of God. God can come to you with His Word. I love the story of Cain and Abel, where Abel offers that righteous sacrifice, and Cable offers the wrong sacrifice. Cain offers the wrong sacrifice. And God is displeased with Cain. And yet God tries to give him some subtle warnings before Cain goes down on a murderous path. God comes to Cain one day and says, man, why are you so sad? What's God trying to do through his word to Cain? He was trying to wake him up. Another time he says, Cain, look at what's going on in your life. Sin is crouching at the door. You're about to go down a path you ought not go to. And listen, my friends, that's why the study of God's word is so vitally important in our life. Because God's going to give those warnings over and over to wake us up. Another way that God gives early warnings is simply by the examples of others. Just, just the one we just talked about, how Cain is used over and over in the New Testament as an example. But basically, God says, you see this guy, he blew it, he turned into a murderer, he rebelled against God, he didn't listen to the warnings. First John 3 says, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brothers. Jude, verse 11 says, Woe to them, they take the way of Cain. And we've got these examples in the Bible. You go, don't walk down that path. And then each one of us, we have examples in our lives, don't we? Of people who've chosen the wrong path. And we've got a choice there do Do we allow that to wake us up before we hit rock bottom? Or you grew up in the alcoholic family and you become the alcoholic. Or maybe you grew up in the alcoholic family and you're more determined than ever to stay away from alcohol. Maybe you've been scarred because you grew up in a divorced family. And maybe you repeat that. But maybe, just maybe, you make your mind up that you're going to stay in a lasting marriage. You see, it's those those warnings from the lives of others. And then there's that word of a friend. We need people in our life who, like Paul, when he went to Peter, when Peter was being hypocritical with the Gentile Christians and confronted him. Like when Nathan went to David and... Jarred him about his sins. Proverbs 27.6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Do you have a friend that you trust enough to allow that friend to wound you? See, that's the friend that knows you well enough that goes, okay, buddy, I see you headed down the wrong path. Let me stop it before you take any more steps down that path. I don't want to see your marriage destroyed. I don't want to see your morals lost. I don't want to see you walk away completely from God. Can we stop right now? You see, here's the good news of this morning's message, friends. Here's the good news. You can set the alarm. You can go ahead and set some alarms in your life that will help you. To wake up before you go down a wrong path. And you can see two almost opposite ways of doing this. On one side is silence and solitude. On the other side is spiritual friendships. Here's what you need, friends. You need to practice the discipline of getting away from all of your devices, of getting in a place where it can be quiet And you can simply spend time in God's word. And you can listen to what he said. Guys, our problem is we have so much noise. If you were trying to watch a football game yesterday, and the blender was going on, and the vacuum cleaner was going, you know? And you were so distracted, and you said, well, let me just keep cutting the volume up," it. It probably didn't work very well. What you needed is to cut the distractions off so you could hear well. And for many of us, there's so many distractions in our life, the still, small voice of God is not heard. And so you need to establish an alarm in your life that you, by yourself, with God, with His Word, saying, Lord, speak to me. And sometimes God can speak to you directly through His Word. Sometimes God can speak to you directly through His Spirit into your heart. Because unless you get quiet enough and alone enough, you're not going to hear the alarms going off in your life. Maybe you say to me, buddy, well, right now, here's my problem is when I get all alone, I I, I, I have a really difficult time being alone. Let me tell you, my friends, that's an alarm in your life. If if, if you're not comfortable with being alone with just you and God without any distractions, the alarm is going off right now. (laughs) There's a church in England I was reading about this week that actually produced a cd that they sold at their church called the, so- the sound of silence it was 30 minutes of complete silence and here's the crazy thing it got so popular that people across the world began to order these cds from that church Well, because in our culture, we don't have much of it. And guys, when you don't have much silence in your life, you don't give much space for God to speak to you. On the other hand, another alarm has to do with being with people. And that's to have spiritual friendships. What's a spiritual friendship? Let me tell you what it is. It's not real complicated. It's a friendship where you talk about God and things that really matter. Lots of, lots of friendship, and we can talk about football, and we can talk about the weather, and we can talk about the stock report, and we can talk about the news. But the last thing we talk about, even friends we have here at church, the last thing we really talk about is God. I'm going to challenge you. You need a spiritual friendship, someone who knows you so well that when you're a little bit out of kilter with God, they'll pick up on it quicker than you will. There's an alarm going off right now in there, okay? <laughs> part of the message, I guess. Now, now, are you setting those alarms in your life? Because if you're not, you're leaving yourself very vulnerable. What you're going to leave yourself at is you're going to make God only be able to wake you up by allowing you to hit rock bottom. I ask you this morning, do you hear some alarms going off in your life? Our alarm clock by our bed is a a really, really high-pitched beep. And I don't hear high-pitched things. And if I'm in a deep sleep, there are times Stephanie will have to wake me up and say, don't you hear the alarm? It's been going off, you know, for a couple of minutes. There are times we get to a point where we're, we're, just, we're just not hearing it. The alarms are going off, but somehow we're not really paying attention to what's happening with those alarms. And I asked you this morning, are there some alarms in your life that you're just not paying attention to? I mean, you, you've been drifting for a while. You, you've been walking away from your father. I mean, it's become easier and easier for you to skip your, your 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 time with the Lord. Easier and easier for you to skip church. Easier and easier for you not to be in a small group where you might have that kind of spiritual friendship. Easier and easier because you're not listening to the alarms in your life. Or maybe you're hearing them and you just keep punching the snooze button. I mean, they've been going off for a while in your marriage. You know, you keep down this path, it's not going to be a good path. With your children, you keep on allowing this to go on, it's not going to be a good path. You know, I've been in this thing long enough I've watched us all raise our children. There are times you watch people raising their children and you think, you're going to let them hang out with those people? You've got to be kidding me. You're going to allow your child to decide whether they go to Sunday school or youth group? You've got to be kidding me. What do you expect that's going to happen? You're going to allow your child to live without any kind of curfew or any kind of discipline? I see good Christian people and you step back and you go, oh my goodness, I, I, can, I see where this is leading. And I've watched long enough now that I've seen it destroy people. It destroyed many great kids that grew up in this church. And I ask you, are you going to listen? Are you going to keep on hitting the snooze button? Are you going to allow the alarm to wake you up? Is the alarm going to become annoying enough for you to finally pay attention to it and to finally wake up to what's going on in your marriage, what's going on with your children, what's going on in your walk with God, what's going on with your addictions, what's going on in your workplace? Or you can give God no choice but to allow you to hit rock bottom? Or would you listen? Here's the great news. If you'd wake up like the prodigal son woke up, you'll discover a father who's much more caring than you ever dreamed, much more forgiving, much more loving, much more reasonable. You'll experience a father like so many of us have experienced whose love is unconditional, who know he won't make you stay in his house, but he's on the front porch every day waiting on you to come home. Today I ask you, there's probably some people in our audience today, and you have hit rock bottom, and today could be the day for you to, to wake up, or maybe you're just having some of these alarms. It's only in the stillness of these few minutes here in church when we're not in your busy life and you're not in front of the TV and you're not in front of the computer, that finally you're hearing some of these alarms. I- I'm begging you right now. Because the consequences are going to come. And you're going to have bad circumstances even if you don't create consequences. I'm begging you right now don't hit the snooze button. Wake up. If we could pray for you today. You see, when we talk about awakening, guys, what we're talking about is revival. It's that sudden moment where 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 we have clarity about what really matters, and if you got clarity, this moment, if this could be that moment of awakening, don't leave here without letting us pray for you, and marking this moment. Why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?